I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me today. Well, it's, it's been about a week since we have spoken, and well, well, well. So, I mean, very interesting developments, particularly in the world of social media. <laughs> it appears, it appears that Elon Musk has hired a World Economic Forum gal to head up Twitter. A woman from NBC Universal. When it comes to uh, the mainstream media, NBC being among the worst. But the World Economic Forum title certainly takes the cake when it comes to who is now running Twitter. Huh. If only there was a talk show host that had warned people not to fall in love with Elon Musk. Now, I've said... I've found some things that he is doing to be fairly interesting. Some of the things he says, interesting. But much like politicians, I warn people about falling in love with oligarchs. Yeah, I really need to do a better job of archiving my shows. And maybe this is just for self-serving purposes. But I probably have 12 segments within the past year where I have tried to warn people to be suspicious of another billionaire coming to your rescue. I'll get into that a little bit later, too. And and believe me, I am completely used to people not listening to me. And then within weeks, months, or years later, they getting outraged about exactly what I warned you about. Really, libertarians in general, we're pretty used to that at this point. It is socially very unsatisfying because people will still continue to ignore me or libertarians in general, in general, uh, if it challenges their belief system. But I have to admit, I do get a small internal chuckle uh, from time to time. I spend a lot of time alone, so it's a, it's a nice way to entertain myself. But when I see these things, <laughs> I mean, nobody likes somebody who says, I told you so, but uh, let's listen to Cicero. Here's my quote of the day today. Cicero said, a nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is far less, excuse me, is less formidable, for he knows and carries his banner openly. But the traitor moves amongst those within the gate freely, his sly whispers rustling through all the alleys heard in the very halls of government itself. I'm just saying, again, this is nothing new under the sun, but uh, Elon Musk, I've told you to, at the very least, uh, keep your guard up. Yep, he has, uh, he's hired this Linda uh, Yaccarino. Now, I've got a couple of clips here 
but I'm not going to play the clips of Linda Yaccarino, particularly in the interview she did with Elon Musk, I believe it was about a month ago, where she essentially was trying to browbeat the guy into saying, hey, uh, I believe she used the terms that should send a chill up all people's spines if they are uh, lovers of free speech, ad safe content moderation. And several times during that interview, what I found so interesting that he ended up hiring this woman is she kept saying, can I get you to commit to, she wanted to, can I get you to commit to not tweeting anymore after 3 a.m.? Can I get you to commit to maybe being a little, involving the advertisers more on Twitter? Now, to be honest, her job is to make money. And maybe she made it rain at NBC Universal. It's a big company. I can't imagine they haven't lost a ton of people over the last five to ten years, but her job is to make money, so maybe that's why he's bringing her in. Twitter has been probably hemorrhaging money. I'm sure the value of it is down. Um, but look, Elon Musk is interesting. He's done some things that appear good, but he is on. Let me say this again. Elon Musk is on the government payroll, and that certainly means at the very least he seems to be in a position to be easily compromised. He is also trying, and what has been more concerning to me, and I've mentioned this many times, I'm going to bring a little bit of additional resources to bear on this show so that people understand what I have been seeing for the last 12 months now that many people's eyes are opened a tad bit. Maybe your ears will be open as well. Uh, my concern has been that Elon Musk has said since announcing he's going to buy Twitter that he wants to build the everything app. Like WeChat in China. Now, he said this, not me. I don't want you to think. I, I try to bring my research, my facts to bear here for whatever good they are. Uh, this is Elon Musk himself. I believe this is before he bought Twitter. Let me see if there's a... I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if this is or just posted after that. But anyway, this is what he had to say about Twitter and WeChat. We don't even have uh, a, 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 an app that's as good as WeChat in China. Uh, and like in China, you can like live on WeChat, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, yeah, everyone, everyone's like been there, like you live on WeChat, you do payments, you do everything. It's like, yep. it's great, basically. WeChat can kick ass. Um, and we don't have anything like WeChat outside of China. So it's like, my idea would be like, how about if we just copy WeChat? Hey. <laughs> copy them. <laughs> copies WeChat. Yeah, pretty Fuck. much. <laughs> yeah. So at, the, so at the end of that, what the, the questioner says, so you buy Twitter and then you just copy WeChat. And yeah, pretty much. Now, he does make it sound a little bit like it's a wildly successful social, uh, social media app. Uh, there may be some truth to that, but the bottom line is in China, you basically can't live if you're not on WeChat. You do your whole life on WeChat and WeChat knows everything about your life. So it may be a incredibly functioning uh, app, but it is not just out of sheer popularity and entertainment to the masses that means so many... I believe they've got something like 103 billion users. That leaves about 100 million Chinese off of it. They've got about 1.4 billion people. But basically, he's right. Everybody's on China. Uh, uh, everybody in China is on WeChat because they have to be. Now I'm going to play a little bit more uh, of this, and then we're going to get into exactly what WeChat is. Maybe people don't understand, because if you hear about it, it just sounds like, hey, it's WeChat. It's just us 
chatting, right? Right? No, that's not what it is. We're going to read a little bit about uh, what WeChat is in just a second. Here's another piece uh, on Elon Musk's desire to build his X app, which will be the everything app. So even though WeChat is a popular app in China and Asia with 1.27 billion monthly users, there is nothing like that in the West. And Elon Musk may want to recreate something like that in the West and extend it to the rest of the world. He hasn't been shy about his appreciation for the functionality of WeChat. In a meeting with Twitter employees in June, he measured the company's potential against that of WeChat in China. I think an important goal for Twitter would be to try to include as much of the country, as much of the world as possible," said the CEO of Tesla. He said, we basically live on WeChat in China because it's so usable and helpful to everyday life, and I think we can achieve that, or even get close to that at Twitter. It would be an immense success. Yeah, again, uh, yes, people do in China live on WeChat. And, and I will tell you, if Elon Musk is successful in doing this, if he launches and becomes the everything app, there's a very real possibility, not even including a complete collapse of the U.S. dollar that makes us all billionaires overnight, <laughs> but he could become our first trillionaire if he has the everything app for everybody in the Western world. But again, people in China are not using it because they're choosing to. You either use WeChat or you don't exist in China. So I wanted, to, I wanted to read a little bit about this. This was a piece that was written uh, from uh, Monmouth University. I got time to get into this. Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Uh, I'm going to read a piece to you where they, uh, I believe the title of this was the, the Dark Side of WeChat. Now, starting off in the totalitarian Chinese communist system, which is where WeChat is successful. You know, I don't know if people know history well, but communist dictatorships don't lend themselves well to uh, a lot of freedom and personal choice by their citizens. I don't know if anybody's noticed this <laughs> anywhere, but uh, WeChat runs their lives. Here's, here's from this piece. WeChat, a smartphone app that boasts over 1.1 billion users, uh, released by the state-sponsored company Tennyson, or Tencent, in 2011, it started out as a simple messaging app. Huh, that sounds interesting, kind of like uh, Twitter. However, hand-in-hand hand with its popularity, WeChat quickly grew into a, quote, mega-platform, boasting a massive number of practical features. The list of uses includes public social media, ordering food delivery, Uber, Lyft-like functionality, sending money to friends, making doctor's appointments, paying bills, communicating in the business world, and even using government services. As its monopoly continues to expand, the app has become indispensable in Chinese citizens' lives. Though it may sound like an exaggeration by some, uh, to someone who has not used the app before, quote, leaving WeChat means leaving social life in China, unquote, not to mention missing out on the convenience of all of its other functions. WeChat defines its mission as seeking to, quote, improve the quality of life through internet value-added services, unquote, but in reality, its work is to, quote, reflect the party's will, safeguard the party's authority, and safeguard the party's unity, unquote. 
This is legally echoed in WeChat's privacy policy, which offers no protection against government surveillance. WeChat's model fits political theorist Langdon Winner's outline of an authoritarian technology. It is a, quote, system-centered and immensely powerful, unquote, a technology that leads society towards authoritarianism. This piece goes on to say, One final striking example of WeChat's role as an extension of state control is in the introduction of China's relatively new social credit system. This system is a way for the CCP to monitor, shame, and punish 1.4 billion Chinese citizens separating the trustworthy from the disobedient. Just like a personal credit score, one's social credit score can fluctuate depending on good behavior, for example, paying bills on time, and bad behavior, for example, smoking in a non-smoking zone. And those with low scores may be placed on blacklists in all aspects of life. And to finish up the what I cut from this piece, and I have a link to it here, if anybody wants to email me, mikemadison at wyeb.com, you can read the entire article or just do an internet search. You don't need me. Search it, the dark side of WeChat. They finish up with this, or this is included in the piece, Tencent and WeChat's role in this topic of unease is its implementation of a system nicknamed the, quote, deadbeat map, unquote. This disturbing application will display the full name, court case number, reason they are deemed untrustworthy, and even partial home addresses of anyone with a low social credit score within a user's 500-meter radius, with a radar changing the colors as the density of deadbeats increases or decreases. This massive infringement of personal privacy by Western standards aims to enhance the repercussions of the social credit system by shaming the quote-unquote deadbeats and encouraging others to, quote, treat those people as subhuman, unquote, effectively making Chinese society a virtual prison. This is what Elon Musk wants to create here in the United States and in the Western world. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to some of the arguments where people might take exception to me when we come back in just a second. But just take in, I think I've done a well, a, a good job of encapsulating what I've been telling you for <laughs> probably well over a year now. Be suspicious of this guy. He's now hired a World Economic Forum bigwig. He wants to create the Everything app for the United States, and he chuckles and says, yeah, we're just going to copy WeChat. I don't know a bigger alarm bell to, to ring right now. I know he says what you want to hear. I know he tells you that he's on your side, and he's freed some conservatives from their prison. See, Twitter needs to attract the conservatives. they got to get you in the digital the virtual prison as well. What better way than to attract you all back like flies or moths to the flame right now with the free speech Twitter? I'm just saying, I'll tackle some of the arguments against what I'm saying when I come back. Stick around. I was born a shotgun in my hands Behind the gun I'll make my final stand Call me 
All right. I can already I can hear the arguments inside my head before you even have to say them. Mike, Elon would never be using something like this against us. He's doing it for the convenience and because he's this Tesla-like genius that understands technology. Haven't you heard him talk, Mike? He would never do that to... Well, and the idea he hired... <laughs> this is one of my favorite ones. Here, here's why I'm so concerned about this. Because most of the people listening to me right now will accept this technology. Especially if it's sold to you by someone with more conservative talking points. Most people are already addicted to social media. You don't like to admit it. You'll pretend that you're not uh, Mark Zuckerberg's plaything, but most people like to tell a Madison mom to get off of Facebook for six weeks. <laughs> now, that's a broad generalization, and my apologies to any of the Madison moms who have, have shunned Facebook. Good for you. But for people who think that they, they would never allow an app to, to dictate their lives, tell people to put down Facebook and TikTok and Twitter for I'd say six weeks, that seems reasonable, but I don't want to freak anybody out and send them in complete cardiac arrest. Uh, Ten days. Ask somebody to put down all of their apps, all of their social media for ten days. They won't do it. Most people are addicted to this. TikTok, I, I feel like when I look at it, I'm like, oh, this is destroying the minds of kids. But I know a ton of adults that send me TikTok videos. I don't, maybe somebody sent it to them, but somebody in the, in the chain was watching a bunch of TikTok to run across a TikTok clip. People are addicted to these things. Most people are addicted to digital payments. I use them a lot. I use my debit card a ton. And they think cash is too much of a hassle. I will never not have cash. So if you think you're a freedom fighter ready for the Civil War, but you've likely already been defeated, you just don't realize it yet. If they get you into this virtual, this virtual authoritarian prison. Um, and, and, and here's the other thing. I mean, look at how many conservatives right now are demanding E-Verify. Uh, what have they told you about E-Verify? Mike, Eve, we, we need E-Verify. Haven't you seen what's going on at the southern borders? This is a way that these illegal immigrants won't take our jobs. We need E-Verify. This is being pushed by the Republican Party and conservatives. Ron DeSantis, I believe, just signed it into law in the state of Florida. You cannot hire an employee without running them through the E-Verify system. So not only... Is that a potential digital gulag for anybody who wants to maintain employment? And I'll explain that to you in a second if you haven't caught on yet. Uh, conservatives are asking for, begging for it. They're begging for a giant government database that tells you whether you can or cannot work. Now, as it stands right now, I'm pretty easy to hire. I'm a middle-aged dude. You can look at me and see I, I've got no exotic foreign blood in me. I'm about as boring a pink cracker as you can get. So I don't get a lot of questions on whether or not I'm from here. I don't look Hispanic, and I have no kind of an accent. So pretty easy for me to get a job now. But just imagine if every single employer had to run my name and likeness and retina scan through E-Verify 
not because they have a suspicion of where I'm from. They've got my driver's license. They've got my birth certificate. Anything they've ever asked for before to prove my identity, I've been able to provide it. But now conservatives want the federal government to maintain a database of people eligible to work for a living in this country. Gee, what could possibly go wrong? What was it last week? A million people that got put on the TSA do not fly list by accident. It took them forever. That's just not being able to take a vacation or go to see Nana by airplane. You might have to drive until you get it sorted out. What, what happens when they start loading up the E-Verify system with a bunch of, <clears throat> air quotes here in the studio, accidentally blacklisted people? How's the Civil War? How's the revolution going to go then when you... You don't have a job to buy your guns and ammo with because there's just this one office in Washington, D.C. with a secure database, and they say, Mike Madison, not eligible for employment. See, people have got to start thinking ahead. Ahead. I'm, I'm like the one steer leaning against the fence post, cleaning my fingernails or, I guess, hooves or whatever, while all the, all the other cows are are getting into a line that I know leads to the shoot. Come on, Mike, be one of us. Get in the line. <laughs> Look at all the food they've got along the line. It's a, it's a buffet. And I'm leaned up against this fence post just going, I don't know, I, I wouldn't get in that line if I were you. But Mike, the farmer loves us. He said he's got a treat. And I just sit on my fence post and say, okay, knock yourselves out, but uh, don't say I didn't warn you. And then everybody freaks out when they realize they've been pinned in. You run around saying, oh my God, do you know what's going on in here? Do you know what's going on in here? And I'm saying, yeah, 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 I, I've seen a lot of people. I, I, I've lived long enough to see how the farmer acts, to know what that line means. I know all your friends got in it, so you didn't want to stand out. All my friends are in the line. I guess the line must be good. I better get in the line. All my friends say E-Verify is good. All the politicians I like say E-Verify is good. So I must say E-Verify is good because we're all against this illegal immigration. So I want, let me get in the head of the conservative voter here. Uh, so what I want is the federal government run by Joe Biden to have a massive database that dictates whether or not someday I or my children can be employed. Do, do we stop and think for just a nanosecond? I'm not even... The Patriot Act, at least... Well, maybe it's, it's the same thing, right? The Patriot Act, this constitution-violating, horrific piece of legislation that libertarians warned you about was passed right after 9-11. Well, strangely enough, we've got a giant border crisis... Tens of thousands of illegals amassing on the southern border and pouring across. At the same time, the Republicans come out and say, we've got a solution. Just like the Patriot Act for terrorism, now they've got this. Oh, these illegals, they might get in, but we're going to stop them from getting jobs and then they'll self-deport. All you've got to do, Republicans, all you've got to do as conservatives, all you've got to do, you small, limited government fans of ours, all you've got to do is submit to being a part of a massive federal database where the federal government decides whether or not you can feed your family or not. You trust us, don't you? That's what's happening.
So don't don't anybody tell me, oh, if they roll out this WeChat thing here, I mean, if we, if I start to see that uh, Elon Musk has gone off the rails, it's going to be too late. I don't know there's any stopping it right now, except to wake up to it and start to wake up some of your friends and say, we don't want the everything app here. And if you don't want the everything app, which basically means your ability to eat and clothe yourself, everything app, it, it will be the, in China, it is the <laughs> everything. Don't take away my, my score. If I get off WeChat, did you hear what I said? They've got radar on WeChat that lets you know if you're around a bunch of people that the government deems bad people. Deadbeats. If your credit, social credit score is bad, it sets off an alarm on everybody else's phone that says, here comes Mike. Stay away from Mike. Don't hire Mike. Don't loan Mike any money because we've cut him off. You need to get away. If we see your app standing cl too close to Deadbeat Mike's app for a while, that might affect your score too. And so people scurry, run from each other because the government declared somebody a deadbeat in China right now. All right, I got to take a break. I, I'll, I'll let this stuff soak in just a, just a teeny tiny bit. We'll let it, <laughs> I, I hope. Is it soaking in? I don't know if it does. I honestly don't know if it does because I keep seeing people genuflect. Another billionaire has come to save the conservatives. When will you learn? I've got a whole list of billionaires who have tried to save the conservatives. We'll go through a few of those when we come back. A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard, handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars. What I want you to want, what I want you to feel, but it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real. So let go Watching you turn your back like you always do Face away and pretend that I'm not But I'll be here cause you're all that I got Alright, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. What, what is it about conservatives wanting to be saved by a billionaire? Now, Democrats have got their billionaires. They've got their Bill Gates and their George Soros. But they really, the Democrats like just kind of nasty con men. But the Republicans swoon and think that a billionaire is going to come in and save them, most recently Elon Musk. But this is not new, and it may have something to do with the idea that conservatism is about success and business and capitalism and those kinds of things. I'm going to tell you one thing. I don't think very many people, maybe if any, become billionaires without doing some pretty shady crap. They're either at the trough of the Federal Reserve and all the funny money they print up. They don't just go out and you don't just become somebody worth $100 billion unless you have really played the game. And playing the game might sound like, well, Mike, you know, that's what you do with those levels. You, you play the game, you succeed. Understand that you're on the losing end of that game, right? So maybe it is that conservatives view the success in business somehow, achieving this wealth to be something that is so admired that these people must be smarter than us. They must be so much better than us. We got to look to them. Here, here's a list. Here, here's a So I'm going to start uh, late 80s. We'll start with the Bush family, the oligarch Bush family. We had Bush one. And then the Democrats elect a low-level con man <laughs> in Bill Clinton. And then we go back to the oligarchic uh, Bush family. Again, how did those first two Bushes work out for you? Not so great. Actually, I'm going to go further than that. It, well, back in the 90s, when Bill Clinton came on. Uh, Rupert Murdoch, Fox News. 
The billionaire Rupert Murdoch was going to come in and save the conservative movement by giving you a conservative uh, television station. Do you remember this? See, see, if they've got to conquer everybody, they've always got to make sure they're kind of reaching out and kind of corralling the people that keep trying to escape the, the horrible system, right? People were catching on. Rush Limbaugh was good about pointing out the left-wing liberal media. What did he call them? The drive-by media, whatever. And so people were starting to leave that. They didn't trust CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS. And so, you know, you know, I, I just imagine there's like a, a Dr. Evil board meeting or something, you know, where they go, hey, we got a lot of conservatives. They're about to go outside the system. We need to make sure we're at least still exposing them to all the narratives we want them to have, you know, to gin up the wars and all that stuff. Hey, Rupert, you go start a network and <laughs> I know you're a Democrat. I know you've always been a Democrat, but you go out there and tell them you're going to give them a, a fair and balanced conservative slant on the news. Keep them in the mainstream news. Rupert Murdoch says, good day. I can make a lot of money doing that. How was that for an Australian accent? So Rupert Murdoch, another billionaire everybody looked at. How'd that work out for you? How'd the Fox News experiment of 25 years of watching that warmongering station, how did that turn out for you? And then I'm going to bring up the other billionaires. One of them's going to get me in some hot water right now, but for some reason, and when I stop and think about where these people come, we, we want a, a, a New York City billionaire in Donald Trump is the savior of the Republican Party. No, he's not conservative. No, he's not for small, limited government. But boy, he is a, he's a fighter. He's a New York City billionaire. And since then, we've gone on with Kanye West. Kanye West became the hero for ah, what, a couple of weeks. <laughs> he's been kind of in and out. He's, he's probably had three or four good weeks in the sun of being the, oh yeah, look at him. He's speaking truth to power. And now it's Elon. This idea that some billionaire will come save us. First, it's a, it's a mainstream media billionaire, Bert Murdoch. Then it's the Bush crime family then a billionaire real estate developer from New York City, then a billionaire from Hollywood, and now one from Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is where you've gone to find your savior millionaires now. <laughs> you know, and I can't remember who said it the other day. It is, it's what I was thinking anyway, but it was so great to hear someone else say it. Uh, they basically said, you know, and I think I saw a sign to this. Uh, I, I'm rubbing my face as I'm talking to you now. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, basically, the, the sign somebody was holding up somewhere said, you are, you are the Savior you're waiting for. Each and every one of you, us collectively, we are the Saviors we're waiting for. And yet we continue this, this failed... Uh, obsession with this idea that this one's going to save us next. And it never, ever works out. Now, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure people are saying, well, Elon Musk hired the girl from the World Economic Forum, just like Trump. This is what I heard during the Trump administration. When Trump started hiring the globalists and the deep state guys, I was told, Mike, you don't understand. He's turning the deep state against itself. How'd that work out for us? No, it turned out exactly as I said. He was hiring all of the wrong people. And one by one, people came to realize, oh my gosh, the deep state didn't change. It got worse. 
And I'm sure there's people out there. I can only imagine this narrative is out there. Elon Musk hired this girl from the World Economic Forum so he can fight them from within. <laughs> He's going to turn her as a weapon against the World Economic Forum. I mean, I can just only imagine the tales that people are telling themselves right now. Now, look, as I said, Elon Musk, interesting guy. But Elon Musk may be just building this for money, and he's a true champion of free speech. Just, just remember, he's gotten most of his money from the government in one way, shape, or form, either from government contracts, through the many contractors, the things that he, with SpaceX, the subsidies he's gotten from Tesla. He's made a lot of money off of the federal government. So if you're telling me that you believe that this guy is going to turn his back on what has basically feathered his entire nest to serve a bunch of normies from the United States, from the West, a bunch of freedom fighters. Maybe, maybe it's true. Maybe he's willing to go down. I'd prefer to have somebody who didn't make their money through the government and wasn't pushing climate change through electric vehicles and the push towards that and wasn't building the Everything app modeled on the Chinese WeChat social credit system. I'd prefer that, but... Maybe, maybe Elon has all the greatest intentions in the world, but let's just imagine this. If we give him all of the benefit of the doubt, what he's about to build, should Elon be ousted from his own company? This happens, doesn't it? After he has already launched the app that sucks everybody in the country in to live their life on this app, what are we left with then? And I don't give him a pass on all those things. I'm not saying Elon Musk is to his core evil and an, an actor in this whole thing, but I'm telling you, I smell a rat. And I hope people are starting to, they're starting to smell what I'm smelling, I think, in this past week. It's a little bit uh, self-satisfying, but not near enough, because God knows who the next billionaire is that people are going to put their hopes and dreams into. Be right back. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho. All right, final segment for the day. I, I have got a report on the Republicans in Texas when it comes to this immigration stuff, but I don't have enough time to kind of flesh it out and play the audio clip I want to play from it. So please tune in tomorrow. <laughs> if you're looking for red meat Republican radio, uh, skip tomorrow's show. But if you want to hear what the Republicans in Texas are up to to help stem the control, stem the tide of this illegal immigrant uh, crossings that are coming into the United States, uh, tune in tomorrow to find out exactly what's going on. You know, talking about all these billionaires, I had an interesting conversation with a leftist, and I was trying to expose the climate scam to them. And, and they were receptive, really. It's, you know, it's kind of hard, hard to justify as a leftist and a fighter for the poor that you support, you know, companies like BlackRock and Bill Gates and John Kerry and, you know, the rest of these corporations that are all on with this uh, this ESG stuff. It's When you sit down one-on-one -on -one with a leftist, even if they're on the climate hysteria bandwagon, it, it's pretty easy to reach them when you kind of just talk calmly to them. And so I was talking about this and, you know, I said one, one thing about it, they say the transition to green energy is a $50 trillion investment. This was said recently in, uh, 
in congressional testimony, although they wouldn't say that uh, exact number. Uh, they were tried to, you know, the uh, what's his name, Kennedy, the senator from Louisiana that gets some good sound bites. Um, he was trying to push the guy. He wouldn't say that number out loud because it's just so obscene. But it's fifty trillion dollars. So it climate scam is about the money. But you know, this this leftist asked me a, a, a question that I really kind of struggled with, and it comes to this this situation of our billionaire class and some of these people, or even down to Joe Biden, what he won't leave politics. And I was talking about this climate scam, and he said, you know, and one of the things I brought up is that this climate stuff is about controlling people. And this left-wing guy says to me, why do they want to do that? And I got to tell you, that's a hell of a good question, isn't it? Because I really have no idea why the uber-wealthy elites aren't satisfied with their lot in life right now. For some reason, there's something in them. They need more power and even more control over people. And I've actually kind of wrestled with this. I mean, I think it's a mental disorder. But it may be that they're paranoid that if we figure out the scam, we'll come after them. You know, maybe that there's just, I've said it before, there's like 10,000 of these people in Washington, D.C., stripping 330 million Americans of their wealth. 330 million to five or 10,000 bureaucrats and busybodies and politicians and lobbyists in Washington, D.C. They must have some fear that eventually we look at each other while we're fighting each other in the streets and go, you know, <laughs> this seems a little odd. I'm beating you up because you believe X, Y, or Z, but you don't be benefit from any of it. And, and you're beating me up because I believe in X, Y, and Z that you don't believe in. But neither of us are benefiting from any of these things. But they are over there. I mean, <laughs> there's got to be a thought in the oligarch's mind that eventually someday we figure it out. So maybe that's why they want this control. I mean, they are generally surrounded by big gates and bodyguards and automatic weapons, which seems unnecessary if they're just these great humanitarians. Why would Bill Gates need bodyguards? Why would Jeff Bezos need bodyguards? Why would any of the, if they're just great humanitarians? I mean, Mother Teresa just walked down the streets in Calcutta barefoot, and people surrounded her and cheered her name. They didn't, they didn't kill her. If these elites are such great humanitarians like Bill Gates, why can't they just walk amongst us? But I don't know why they want to control us. I just thought it was kind of interesting because, you know, as they ask that question, we know that's what this is about. We know the climate stuff is about control. I just think, why do you want to do that? I have had thousands probably of employees in my life that have worked for me when I was a manager or a business owner. Maybe not thousands, but over a thousand. And I got to tell you, I hated to exert any control. I just wanted everybody to do their job and go home and me pay them and us all, you know, get along great and them enjoy their work and I make some money off the business. I never wanted to control anybody. As a matter of fact, it was a pain in the butt. I didn't like having to kind of force people to do things. You've you got to set a direction, but I always liked people who were kind of with me on that. We got together and got things done. I sure never wanted to control anybody, but they do. So I just say that in closing, look, you are the savior that you're waiting on. And I think that we're, we're, we're trying to find a famous name, somebody with a few billion in the bank that tells us what we want to hear so we can sit on our lazy fat cans and do nothing, waiting for them to deliver. It's not happening. There is no billionaire that is coming to save us. And that includes Elon Musk. That's all the time I got for today. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.
No handle.